Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, we are doing one of our interview episodes, and we're really excited to be joined by Dr. Jill, Jill Strange. Um, I work with Jill at Infor. She is the VP of Science, and she is one of my favorite people. So we're really excited to have you, Jill. I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit. Sure. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks, Patricia, and thanks, Katina. Looking, looking forward to this conversation. So like Patricia said, I am the Vice President of Science at Infor. Uh, Infor is a, a large company where we focus on business software, really kind of spanning the entire spectrum from manufacturing to retail to healthcare, and I focus on the human capital management group. So anything that relates to incorporating science into any of our human capital management projects or products, that is my area. Yeah, it's a really fun place to be, and I'm very lucky to be working with Jill. Um, she was my direct boss for a while, and then she got all fancy on me and went to VP. And so now I, I work with uh, my current boss, Paul, who's also awesome. I can't complain. We have a pretty awesome team at Infor. And today we really just want to talk about Jill's experience in terms of being a remote employee, because she's done that. And she's also managed teams remotely and managed kind of... Um, a hybrid team that has some remote employees like myself and people that are actually in the office in Dallas with her. Yeah, excited to talk about that. I, I have uh, worked as a remote worker in the past for about 12 years, currently working in an office about half time. I fortunately get to work from home a couple of days a week, so that's really been a, a great experience. That's awesome. We're really excited to have you. And uh, just so everybody knows as well, just because Patricia and I work so closely together, I know a lot of awesome things about Jill as well. Um, and don't worry, Jill, when you're not there, Patricia speaks just as positively about you as she does when you're on the, on the line. Uh, so so uh, it really is true. She, she really loves uh, working for you. And that's part of the reason why we thought that you'd be a great guest because we've talked on the blog about remote work before. Patricia's written about it. And um, we thought that it would be really helpful. We've talked about it um, on the podcast before as well uh, to hear from somebody who's actually doing it. And because Patricia knows firsthand what it's like to work with you uh, doing this successfully. So um, that's something that I think a lot of people listening could really benefit from hearing. Yeah, sounds great. I'm excited to talk about it. It's, um, it's something that has really evolved over time. When I first started working from home, it was in about gosh, 2004. And I kind of happened upon it by accident. I was working for a company in an office and um, kind of a, a back of the house data type entry analyst type position that just wasn't for me. I knew I didn't want to be doing that kind of work. I wanted to be in front of clients. I wanted to be talking with people. And that just wasn't that role. And so I ended up leaving that organization and kind of trying to figure out what to do next. I talked to an old boss of mine who I didn't uh, apply with for a job after graduate school. And just a little bit of further background on me, I, I am an industrial psychologist like Katina and Patricia and have been doing work primarily in the field of assessment for many, many years. But back then, I worked for an organization that really focused a lot on job analysis and understanding what people are really doing within their jobs. And so I'd worked for this company as data entry, left that organization and went back to talk to this old boss of mine at the job analysis organization. And he asked why, after I got out of grad school, I hadn't applied for a job there, like a full-time, you know, formal job before it was just sort of part-time. And I told him that the reason I didn't apply was because I, at that point in my life, needed to live 
near in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where my, my family is. And he said, well, you know, why would that keep you from applying? I was like, well, you're in Dallas and, you know, I can't work for you from Tulsa. He said, well, why not? I said, well, because <laughs> I'm not in the office. He said, well, I don't care about that. That doesn't matter. You can just work for me from home if you want. I was like, what, really? Like, that's a, that's a thing you can do. <laughs> it never even occurred to me that that was something that I could even be allowed to do. And so I went down to Dallas, kind of talked with the group there, talked about what that sort of remote working relationship would look like, and came back to Tulsa with a job. And I stayed there for several years. Um, and at that point, I was an individual contributor. I traveled a lot. And that's been something that, for me, has always been a big part of my working career, working from home career, a lot of travel. Um, but then at, at that point, it was, it, it, was a, it was a great experience for me just because I was able to kind of have a job that I loved. I was able to get a lot of the social interaction that I wanted and needed through the travel and through seeing my coworkers that way. And it really was just kind of the best of all worlds. So that, um, that lasted for about four years. I left that company and ended up contracting with another company, um, doing a lot of assessment development and, again, sort of competency modeling and job analysis work. And, again, kind of a situation where I started out as a contractor for them, did a lot of travel, and they were exclusively in-office kinds of um, kind of an organization. So they had offices in Connecticut and Denver and Atlanta and didn't have any remote workers. But started working with them as a contractor. About four months after that, the person who was supervising me was talking to the CEO of the company, and they were talking about hiring challenges and how they just couldn't find the right talent in the cities they were looking. Started talking about me and said, you know, gosh, I wish we could hire her, but unfortunately, she would have to be remote. This person then said, well, go ahead and hire her anyway. She's done a good job already. She'll you know, likely continue being remote and doing a good job. And so I ended up working for them full time, <laughs> stayed there about six years. So it's kind of a situation where I kept falling into these remote work from home jobs, which at the time, you know, 14 years ago, no one really did. It was really still kind of a foreign concept. And, um, you know, obviously, as time's gone on, it's gained more acceptance and I was able to find other jobs. And it really worked out for kind of my work life balance situation at the time. Um, I was able to be in city I wanted to be in. I had small children at the time. And it was just kind of a, a like I said earlier, best of all worlds for me. Um, after many years of this, now I'm in an office. Like I said, I'm in the office about half time, which is great because I still do get that flexibility. But it's, I feel like having that background and being able to have had that experience of working from home myself has helped me to kind of understand that people do need flexible working relations or working situations. And you know, it's helped me to be a better manager of remote workers. I just said a lot. <laughs> Hope <that's okay. laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I did not know all of your uh, working from home history and how it kind of all fell into place for you. That's great. Um, and I think it does have an impact as to how you manage us and our team because you really understand the the need to be flexible and we all very much appreciate it. Um, what would you say made you successful in all those different roles working remotely? Uh, I, I think a lot of, I mean, it's going to be such a cliche answer, but it's, it was communication. I pretty much 
I don't think I could have done it without Skype or Link or you know, some kind of instant messaging software because that has always really helped me to feel like I am right next door to somebody. You know, obviously when you're remote, you can't just walk up and go talk to them in the next office, but being able to have that technology, and, and thankfully I had that even, you know, back in 2004, um, the company I used, uh, I can't remember what the system was, it was probably just regular Skype at that point. But, um, you know, being able to easily communicate with people is fantastic. Uh, another issue for me initially was I was always very concerned that people wouldn't know if I was working or not. You know, if people aren't there looking over your shoulder, seeing that you're putting in the hours at the office, how do they know? You know, and this to me was a very scary concept when I first started working remotely. So I did kind of like the fact that with Instant Messenger and, you know, those other applications, people can see if you're there or not. Um, so that, that, I think, gave me some peace of mind and helped me to be a better employee, just knowing that, you know, no one's questioning whether I'm, I'm there and working and come in the office. So communication being absolutely key and technology, I don't think you could do this without without the advances in technology. And obviously they've gotten a lot better over the years. I mean, I just I talk to people on the phone over my computer now. You don't have to worry about you know, getting a long distance plan and you know, things like that that we had to think about back then. Um, so it's it's you know, all the technology that we have to help us work remotely now, I think is, you know, extremely beneficial and really has helped me be successful. I think that um, it's also about using the technology appropriately. Like it sounds like you have some good strategies uh, for actually like leveraging that technology, like popping in and saying, you know, hi, and actually using it and not feeling like, oh, the other person's sitting in their own home doing work. Like I don't want to bother them or I'll try to just like, you know, run in circles and try to figure it out myself without reaching out to coworkers like you might in office that you sort of think of it as, this is similar to me being next door to them. So I'll just act the same way as I would if I was next door to them, except I'm just doing it through technology. So I think you hit on uh, like something important there is that it's the availability of technology, but it also sounds like you've had some good strategies that you leveraged to, to make the technology facilitate the work in a way that was similar enough to how you would have in a normal office setting. Definitely. I think there was a, also a, a healthy dose of fear that I would lose this job <laughs> that I loved so much. So that, that helped a lot as well. <laughs> Probably edit that out. But, um, but now I, 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 I also think another strategy that's helped me personally to be successful is the fact that I've been in roles where I am able to interact with people face to face pretty regularly. So I mentioned in those, those jobs that I was talking about that I did travel a lot and I mean like weeks on the road at a time, which I don't want now, but back then it was exactly what I wanted. So, you know, I did get to work at home a lot, but I also was on the road seeing my coworkers getting to sort of forge those relationships face to face. Now I, I don't feel that need as much anymore. I mean, I have been in sort of this mixed work home, uh, work from the office, work from home environment now for about gosh, four years now. Um, but kind of even before that, I didn't really feel that need quite as much once I did start to have some of the, the family things come into play, you know, having to, um, you know, think about sort of more of a balance. And I obviously didn't want to be traveling all that much. So that's cut back a bit. And I think then I've started to rely more on strategies like instant message, email, text, text message. I mean, I have some of my best friends I feel like that I work with don't even live anywhere near me and we've never lived in the same place. 
and that's completely attributed to, to the technology component. But being able to you know, have those relationships with people, I mean, Patricia, you and I, we've never lived in the same place, but you know, we talk at least once a week and we always have great conversations. We text each other and you know, hopefully you don't get annoyed with me when I, <laughs> when I do that. But <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so I, I think that, you know, being able to recognize that you need to be social to, you know, at least in, in our sort of role. And I know that, you know, other types of jobs, maybe not so much, but, um, you know, have a, a recognizing that you need to actually get out there and make people know that you exist out there in the world. Um, is something that I think is really key to success. I would totally second that. I think it's really important to build those relationships when you are remote and um, use the technology you have to connect with others. My job um, is, there's a lot of travel, but it's not always with a ton of my coworkers. It might be like with one or so. Um, so it was great when I first started where I was able to come into the office and get to know some people. But there's a lot of people on my team that maybe hadn't met other individuals on the same team for over a year. Um, but because they were connecting in, you know, our team meetings and, you know, I am and chatting in different ways, they, I feel like they felt like they knew each other for so long because they interacted so well together. So I think that communication and the technology is really important. And Jill, <laughs> I do not mind you texting me because it's always really funny. <laughs> We have lots of weird inside jokes about millennials and things going on. So those are always fun. Jill is the reason that I saw Top Gun. Um, <laughs> so actually, Jill, I'd love for you to share some of those kinds of quarterly things, their projects, goals, whatever you want to call them, that we've done as a remote and in-person team to get people kind of getting to know each other a bit. Sure, absolutely. So you should probably know that my my motives are really around... Um, ensuring that the millennials are educated in the really important things that the Gen Xers, you know, know and do. So Top Gun was really because of that, Patricia. In fact, you inspired that whole thing by telling me you hadn't seen Top Gun. I felt that that was just a travesty. So some of the things I've tried to do, and this is, I mean, this is as much to make our in-office culture fun as it is to make our remote culture fun and make those people feel involved. But we started to do some kind of fun things to help people get to know each other. So, oh, let me think. So, so one the kind of this first started with, with Top Gun. And um, so Paul, who Patricia, you mentioned earlier, who's your boss, and then another member of our team were out, out traveling at a meeting. Um, Paul and I don't live in the same location. So like Patricia said, it's always kind of fun to, to get to see people when you're traveling. And so we're all three kind of sitting around talking about how awful it is that Patricia hadn't seen Top Gun and what could we possibly do <laughs> to remedy this situation because a lot of other people hadn't seen it either. And we started making a list and I should say like, we're all probably between about 35 and 40 years old. Right. So, you know, these are people who grew up in the eighties. <laughs> so we started making lists of the best movies of all time. And by the best movies of all time, we mean the best movies that we probably saw between the ages of five and 15. So Top Gun, Never Ending Story, labyrinth you know all all the greats from the 80s right and then this kind of expanded to um what other movies are great and so and this is again like my, my list right so we've got titanic we've got like life is beautiful which is an amazing movie you should all watch it um but you know we, we started compiling this list and we thought all right how can we get the department to see all these movies and so what we did was we did a survey 
um, used SurveyMonkey, had people go in and say whether they had seen these movies in our list or not. We probably had like 30. Um, and, you know, whether, whether they had seen them. And then also write in their favorite movies. And we then, I, I want to say we, we then, you know, kind of compiled a second survey where we said, all right, Patricia has not seen these movies. Okay, department, what movie should Patricia see? And we went through the entire department, and this is about 25 people. And the department then selected the classic movie, as defined by me and my coworker, um, <laughs> that the person should see. So then they had to go watch the movie. They had to, cre- well, they didn't have to create a PowerPoint presentation, but Patricia started it <laughs> by creating a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> um, on Top Gun. And it was amazing. I feel like this should be posted on your blog later if you you know as as part of this whole whole podcast i want to um, see it <laughs> we can link to it i will share my amazing presentation on top gun <laughs> it's the best thing i've ever seen so, <laughs> so this kind of made everybody else decide they should they should also do presentations and we have a, a meeting every monday morning just kind of a department all hands and in the meeting, of course, we covered the very important stuff that we, we always want to cover. But for a couple of weeks, the last half hour was dedicated to people talking about these movies and why they thought they were either great or, in most cases, not so great. So <laughs> uh, it was a it was a fun thing to do, and it really got everybody to you know get to know each other a little bit more. Got people to sort of be thinking about kind of you know broadening their horizons in terms of great movies like Top Gun. And, uh, and it, uh, it allowed people to really just, you know, kind of have some fun at work. And it's hard with remote people because we don't get to see them very often. And it's, you know, you don't get to know them very well, especially when you're not working together on the same team. I'm, I'm lucky I get to know all of the remote people because I work with them pretty regularly, but other people in the department don't. So it was a great opportunity to get some, um, to, to get people to get to know others a little bit better. This quarter, it was um, favorite movie scene, which was also fun. So people had to pick a three to five minute movie scene that was their favorite. Actually ended up being TV as well. And then we'd play those in the Monday meeting and people had to guess who submitted that. It was fun. I love these ideas. They're really fun. And I think like part of what you're talking about in doing this is also just good practice whether you're remote or not for creating a good culture, um, on a team and thinking about how do you get to know people on an individual level and not just transactionally, like this person needs this from this person. And we're only going to have conversations about project teams. So that's something that I think even on teams that meet in person sometimes doesn't exist. So it has, it has to do with the kind of culture that you're growing as well. Do you have any thoughts, Jill, about how you as a manager really think about, the culture that you want to breed and the ways that you can make that happen. So that seems like a really good way to, you know, get people to know each other from an interpersonal perspective and just have fun. Are there other kind of cultural elements that you think are important um, to have present on your team and how does having a remote team make that more challenging or easier? How have you kind of worked with that? Yeah. So, so, I mean, I definitely do want to drive that culture of of having fun. You know, we all work really hard and it is nice to sort of have that reprieve sometimes. Um, We also do bring people in to the office, not as often as I would like, but, you know, occasionally we are able to bring people in to kind of have, um, you know, collaboration type meetings where we're looking at our strategy. We're looking to see where we can go next with our products. 
looking at how we can best serve our clients. And, you know, I think that feeds into kind of the, what you just asked me, Katina, is I really do want to also create a culture of collaboration. And that can be very, very difficult when you have remote employees and doubly difficult when you have kind of teams set up like I do, where we could be very siloed. You know, we have a team of data scientists, we have a team of a behavioral scientists or consultants, we have a group of R&D, and they all could operate very much in their own little box if we wanted them to. And so, you know, I mentioned the kind of fun quarterly projects we have, but we also have, you know, more serious, like real quarterly projects that people are doing as part of their job. And <laughs> when I'm determining what those are, I really try to think about, okay, how can these teams collaborate? How can we kind of break down those silos and not keep people in their little boxes? So, you know, sometimes there may be a project where it's a, a data scientist working with a behavioral scientist to create a new product or a new report or something like that um, and, and really kind of encourage and, and foster that collaboration between the different groups because, you know, each of these groups have very different insights into you know, their own area um, and can really bring a lot to kind of the broader group if, if that information is shared. So, you know, the way I do that is through those those real quarterly projects that that aren't that aren't quite so fun, but you know, they they can be. Maybe they are. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, they can be. <laughs> they can be. So I mean, they're they're work, right? <laughs> but but yeah, no, they're that's that's the way that I really do try to drive that collaboration. Um, and I and when I'm thinking about creating a culture, I mean, it's it's very much like a everyone's going to work hard, right? And everyone's going to um, contribute to the company and you know do what they're there to do. But I also want them to be able to develop and be exposed to different kinds of people and different kinds of projects. And um, and I try to keep that in mind as as kind of I'm dividing up work and you know setting the strategy for the organization. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because one of the things that happens kind of more organically in organizations where you're present in the same space is that you might just see people around walking around or, you know, in a break room or something like that, that you don't necessarily have to have interaction with on a project, but you just might know them. So your social circle or the, the, you know, your knowledge of what other areas of the organization are working on might be broader. So it's really awesome that you're thinking about that to say, okay, well, who might they not come across unless I put them strategically on a project together so that they get to know each other and can create some synergy there so that people aren't just, you know, I have no reason to contact that person. So I just have no idea who they are. Well, I think for us at Infor too, we face a couple different challenges that I know Jill is constantly working on. Um, so there's the fact that our team is, you know, partially remote, just within the science team, but then broader Infor is global. So there's people all over the world that, um, you know, we might not have as much exposure to. So I know Jill tries to bring in some of what she's learning about the rest of the company to our Monday morning meetings, for example, so that we can get a sense as to what's going on in the broader company. Because I think that there's kind of a multi-level challenge with remote employees for just our team and then just the broader organization too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and even kind of beyond that, as, in, as as an industrial psychologist, it's really interesting working in an organization like Infor because there's so many opportunities to learn about industries you would never even think to learn about. So so yeah, that is, that, that is kind of a, a great thing about having such a 
global organization covering you know, tons and tons of different products, tons and tons of different industries, and um, you know, being able to leverage those employees in different area, parts of the world that you even might not have access to in, in another type of organization is really great for, for building a, a culture of learning and collaboration. So I have a question for you in terms of flexibility. So we talked a little bit about how your experience as being a remote employee has taught you what kind of flexibility you think employees need and has helped you as a manager. For other managers that maybe haven't worked with remote employees um, and want and maybe are going into a company that does that or want to start letting people work from home, what tips do you have um, in terms of helping them be more flexible with their employees? That's a good question. I, and I think a lot of it starts with understanding what performance looks like in the job. So if you don't understand what your remote employee is really supposed to be doing and what productivity and performance looks like for that person, then you may have already failed, right? Um, and and that can be very difficult to define. I mean, Patricia, you and I have to define what performance looks like for a job every day. And it can be extremely difficult. People often don't know how to, how to measure performance, how to know if their people are doing well. And I think that's key when you're managing remote employees. I, I'm very fortunate in that for the remote employees that I manage, it's very easy for me to tell if they're not doing a good job because I hear about it immediately from clients or from client success managers. Thankfully, I don't ever have to <laughs> really hear anything because I've got great employees. But that's uh, you know that that's something where um, there are enough people working with a client and and working on a client team that if something falls behind or if there's an issue, that's something that I would immediately hear about. Um, we also have a tracking system called JIRA. A lot of organizations use it. And that's a way that we can sort of track project um, status and kind of how things are moving through the system and you know, are things being completed on time. So it does take a little more proactivity on part of the manager to really understand if their people are getting their job done. But I think actually those are tactics that you should employ with your people that are actually working in an office. Because you know, somebody could be sitting in an office next to me and watching YouTube all day. And, you know, if I'm not paying attention, I'm not going to know that. So it's it's kind of the same sorts of processes that you probably should be using with any employee. But I think you want to you know, doubly think about it, especially when you're sort of setting the expectations for the employee up front and letting them know, you know, you know yes, you are going to be evaluated on these various things. And you know, this is a remote position and you need to be mindful of the fact that, you know, eyes are eyes are going to be on you a little bit more, or at least I always felt like that, um, especially in kind of a mixed environment where you have people in the office and, and remotely. So, you know, defining performance, setting the expectations up front for that remote employee, helping them to understand how they can be successful and how you're there to help them be successful. I think those are some, some things that I've always taken into account. Yeah. I'm curious to hear about, you know, kind of from your perspective, both as someone who has worked remotely um, in the past, as well as someone who manages remote workers, kind of what's a really positive thing that you see compared to having a traditional, you know, office structure as a manager and what's something really positive or some things that you find really positive being an employee who's worked remote? Like what are some of the benefits that you see um, on your team, even though there are some of these challenges around setting performance metrics, but you know, the, as you said, some of them can be similar to, to all managers, but 
you know, maybe present some unique challenges um, in terms of, you know, making sure to set aside that dedicated time to really talk about that um, if it's not, you know, in front of your face all the time. But what are some things that you see as being benefits um, of, of working in these kinds of environments? Well, so, I mean, benefits to the employee, obviously, and this is something that, you know, I, I loved working as a remote employee are the, is the flexibility. You know, when I was working in my previous job a while ago, um, I was on a billable hours sort of situation where I just had to get work done, you know, so I could really work whenever I wanted to. I had meetings and phone calls, but I could kind of schedule those when I wanted to where when my kids were little, you know, and I wouldn't probably recommend this for every remote employee that happened to work in my situation, but I was able to go get them at you know, four o'clock every afternoon and kind of leave the office a little bit earlier and then come back and work at night. And and the working at night thing is something that I still continue to do because I like that flexibility of, and, and Infor is very flexible as well. Like we generally get out of the office around four and can leave and do our family thing, but I typically come back and I work at night. And that flexibility has always been really, really important to me because I don't want to be in an office until six o'clock every night, run to get my kids, throw dinner at them, and then put them to bed an hour later. Um, and so being able to be remote back then was fantastic for me because I was able to have that flexibility. And thankfully, I'm in a situation now where I work in an office, but it is still still flexible. So the flexibility, I think, is is probably, for me at least, was the, the number one piece. I love having a remote workforce where I am right now because I feel like it enables us to serve our clients better. We haven't really talked about that. We've talked a lot about kind of the, the personal perspective, but you know, the fact that Patricia, you live in California and Paul lives in New York and we have people in Florida and Kansas, it enables us to better serve our clients because we do do a lot of travel and having people sort of geographically located with their their clients and being able to get to them faster, you know, both helps the clients because they can be more likely to see their behavioral scientist, but it also helps people like, you know, Patricia, because I don't have to send you over to New York to deal with a client all the way from California. I mean, you guys have had your, your travel tips um, uh, podcast recently. And I mean, I, I really think that, you know, it's important to make sure that, you know, yes, people do, you know, keep in mind all the things that will keep them healthy and happy when they're traveling. But as a manager, I don't want people to have to travel more than they, they have to, you know, I think that that, unless they want to, <laughs> and then like, like I was sort of in the beginning of my career, but you know, I certainly don't want people to feel like they you know, have to be on the road all the time. So having people remote and sort of geographically located in a good proximity to the clients is a benefit for me as an employer and hopefully a benefit to the remote workforce as well. So you're saying that, you know, there's obviously benefits for the employee for them, you know, as myself, you know, that flexibility. I do appreciate that. I do appreciate being geographically close to clients. Um, so my travel does not get too crazy most of the time. So that lets me maintain like a, a good routine and a good balance at home. Um, and I, I'm with you in terms of being able to work, you know, whatever hours make the most sense that sometimes you know, you might need to do something in the middle of the day, like go to the dentist or whatever. And that, that flexibility to be able to like leave for a few hours, but then everyone knows that I'm going to get my work done. It might be in the evening. It might be the next day, you know, a couple extra hours or whatever it looks like. I think that's a huge benefit from my well-being perspective. Um, but as a manager, I would be curious to know, do you see a benefit in terms of 
not just employees being happier, but do you see, you know, how that maybe comes out in their work or their performance at all? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I definitely do. And it's, it's hard to say whether that's selection, you know, it's just selecting the right people to begin with or whether it's remote because we have great behavioral scientists that are in the office as well. And so you know, they, they come in, they have the same situation I do where they're working remotely about half the time. And so, you know, I think we've done a really good job at Infor of selecting people who are going to be high performers anyway. <laughs> so I, I, I do, I mean, I do feel like having a flexible relationship for, or sorry, a flexible uh, schedule and flexible situation for some of those remote employees, though, does help them to perform better, um, you know, by being able to kind of take care of some of their work and family needs, um, you know, much easier than they might if they had to be in the office. I think that is beneficial to their performance. I hope, and I'm going to knock on wood as I say this, you know, I hope, I hope that it also, you know, helps me retain people because I do have a bunch of high performers and I really would like to keep them around. So, you know, I hope that having that flexibility and being able to be remote helps me to retain people. Um, again, knock on wood, haven't had anybody turn over. So I, uh, you know, I, I think that probably is a contributing factor, but that's, um, that's something that I, that I definitely think is impacted by working remotely as well. That's a good call out. I think that, you know, managers are that maybe haven't been in a situation where they're managing remote employees or um, even letting people have the flexibility that are in the office some of the time. They, they think about performance. They think about, you know, are they getting their work done? But I think retention is a huge piece to consider that maybe not all managers are thinking through. And if you give employees the flexibility where they feel like they can balance their work with their life and, and not, you know, have to impact important things in their life in a negative way because of their work, they're much more likely to stay. Because why would you want to leave a really good situation to go somewhere where you might not have that flexibility? I mean, I know that's huge for me. I I would not want to work somewhere else that has, you know, any, um, you know, limits on the types of things I can do to make my life balanced. And I really appreciate what you do, what Paul does to help me find that balance and let me kind of um, make work the best it can be for me and for you and the company. Um, And I think that that's something really important to think about. I just, you know, I hadn't, I wasn't thinking that through myself even right now about the retention side, but I think that's really important. Yeah. And I would also say, I think something that's interesting to me um, is thinking about how having a remote workforce or part of your workforce being remote might actually affect the culture of the company in a positive manner because people are always talking about company culture um, being so sticky and it's hard to change. And a lot of company cultures are so inflexible and they're not agile and they're not able to adapt. Um, And I would have to think that having a company structure that's you know designed in a way that's more innovative and more on the cutting edge and more technologically focused and all those things probably helps to create a culture that's more modernized um, compared to other organizations that are kind of stuck in more traditional ways of doing work and I'm not sure if that resonates with you but it seems like it would have to have some impact on the culture of the company as well yeah I definitely I definitely do think so So Jill, do you have any um, closing thoughts or tips for remote employees or remote managers that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that 
remote workforces can be extremely effective and you know really help employees and organizations to perform at their best. Um, from a from a tips perspective on on the workforce side, I would say definitely make sure you're communicating, make sure that you are you know kind of showing your value, which you know hopefully people would see through your work. But if you are remote and you're not really communicating out what you're doing and you know the accomplishments that you've had, it can be a little harder to get recognized and move up in the organization at times. Um, for managers, I think that it's it's really important to understand what performance looks like within the job and be really sure that you communicate that to your employees. Make sure they understand what it looks like if or what, what's going to happen if they don't perform well. And I don't mean like in a negative kind of situation, but more like in a, um, you know, helping them to understand that they do have expectations. They can't just stay at home and you know do their laundry all day or, you know, what some of these other sort of misconceptions <laughs> of what remote workers do at times, which are not true. But, you know, helping them to understand um, that, you know, you care about their performance and you want them to, to do well and you want them to uh, continue to do well. I think that's good. And are you telling me I can't do laundry during the day? Is that what you're saying, Joe? Yeah, no laundry. laundry for me? <laughs> Just don't do it all day. For sure. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that sits there and watches my machine work. So I guess I probably shouldn't do that during the day. I actually got called out on doing my dishes the other day when I was on a phone call. <laughs> Someone's like, is there water running in the background? I'm like, no, no, not at all. <laughs> well, we do have one oh, other awesome. uh, final fun question for you, uh, if you're up for it. Sure. We are curious to know. Um, so let's say IO psychologist is off the table, in force off the table. You can't be doing what you're doing or have the career path that you've had. Um, so, so your current career path's off the table. If you could pick any other career um, besides the one you're in today, what would it be and why would you select that career? Oh, man. Well, if physical ability had nothing to do with anything, I would probably be like a backup dancer for Britney Spears or something. <laughs> because how awesome would that be? You wouldn't want to be actual <laughs> Britney Spears. You would just want to be a backup dancer. No, 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 no. I just want to hang out, you know, in the background and kind of, you know, be part of the action, but not actually Britney Spears because no, <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? I, I, I you know, I, I think it'd be a lot of pressure to be <laughs> like in that kind of a, in that kind of a position, you know, to ha yeah, to have that level of fame, have paparazzi following you. I don't think that would be all that great. However, since that probably isn't going to happen for me, I, my favorite job I ever had was working in a coffee shop. I loved being a barista and I did that all through college. Really? And so if I could, you know, completely change everything and just do something new, you know, like open up a coffee shop or something like that. So probably wouldn't want to go back to being a barista. I like buying clothes too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's very difficult. Um, <laughs> so I, I would want to like open up a coffee shop. Well, I like both of those ideas. Backup dance for Brittany sounds awesome. And I love visiting cool coffee shops. And I have a feeling yours would be really fun. Maybe a little 80s themed or something or boy band themed or <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could make a backup dancer like a dancing <laughs> coffee shop where the baristas not only make coffee, but they also do dances in the style of backup Britney Spears. <laughs> 
see the problem that with this all is though is I still don't really know what matcha is. Ugh, well. And I know that Patricia is obsessed with matcha lattes. Is that how you say it? Yeah, even? it is. You got it. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like a dance, right? Matcha, I'm gonna do a matcha latte. <laughs> we can make it a dance. I mean, you have oh gosh, to. You dance. have to like froth it so you can dance when you're frothing. I don't know. <laughs> I th- I think you just figured out the quarterly for next quarter. Nothing to do with movies. It's going to be give me your best matcha latte. <laughs> oh, man, Jill. Next time we're together, I'm going to find you a matcha latte. And it's going to be delicious. And you're going to understand the joys that are the green beverage that is matcha. And you will make it at your coffee shop with your dancing baristas. Well, I'm so excited for that. I hope to see you soon. <laughs> yes, it will be fabulous. Um, so one final thing, I know we've talked a lot about Infor, obviously, but is there anything else um, I want to give you an opportunity to say anything about the organization that you want to share with the listeners before we kind of wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love Infor. It's a great company. I mean, I talked about the fact that we're industrial psychologists, talked about how we have behavioral scientists, but I didn't really talk about what we do at all. Um, you know, we are a predictive analytics solution where we go into organizations and we assess people's behavioral, cultural, cognitive characteristics, kind of those things that make them unique and who they are. And then we help organizations find people who are applying for their jobs who are likely to be a good fit to the roles that they're looking for based upon those characteristics of their current workforce. So it's a it's a cool company and it's we actually use our solution when we're hiring as well. So every remote employee and in-office employee on my team has you know, taken our assessment. They've been compared against our, our own profile of success. And I think that's helped us as well to form a good team. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing that. So now all listeners know a little bit more about what I do too. <laughs> um, and thank you so much for joining us. We've really appreciated your time and hearing about your experience and your tips I'm sure everyone can learn from all the cool things you've done. And maybe there'll be some listeners out there doing a movie quarterly as well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so really much. Fun. We really appreciate Great. you taking well, time to talk with us. And uh, we know that folks out there who are either thinking about going remote or allowing their employees to work remote or people who are currently working remote will really benefit from your tips. So um, if anyone out there has thoughts or ideas or uh, things that they want to implement that Joe gave us a suggestion or other things that they've used as tips or tricks uh, for working remotely, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, please reach out. Um, you can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com. You can find us on our website, workerbeing.com. And you can also contact us through our social media. So we're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at workerbeing. Thank you so much, Jill. And thanks to all the listeners. Bye. Bye. Thank you. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.